0: Hello, everyone. I am Matt Williamson, and as mentioned, we got a short week here. You know, it's working off a Monday nighter, so we're gonna kind of combine two podcasts into one. I got my final thoughts on Steelers Browns, and then kind of a overview to get you kind of lubed up for Steelers Raiders Sunday night. So let's just dig right in. I've got a list after watching the game several times of players that were better on second impression than they were watching it live and worse. Here's my better list. Cole Holcomb played a lot of snaps. We'll get the snap counts in a minute. But he kind of asserted himself in this game, I felt, like linebacker one. You know, every down guy, what you thought you are getting. I mean, he's not Jack Lambert. You know, I mean, I mean, he's not a superstar. But what you were getting in free agency – I think he basically lived up to that in in a positive way for this one, where I thought the Niners did a number on him. KZ, I thought, had a really good game. Minka was out for some stretches. KZ did a lot of deep middle. He, He was very capable in that role. Liked him quite a bit. I also thought Golden on the defense played a very solid game. And every time I watch him, I think, man, the Steelers would have killed to have him a year ago when Watt was out or even with Watt. I mean, he's a high-quality number three for them. It's in the perfect role for him, perfect role for the team. I think that's a real good fit, and that showed up big against the Browns. Now, I also had some Browns that played better than I expected to. And I've never been the biggest Amari Cooper fan, but he was impressive. I mean, it looked like he was – Unlikely to go a game a day before the game, and you know it was questionable, but he looked great out there. Tied Wallace and Knotts a couple times. Cooper had a really good game. Ford, the running back, came off the bench and played quite well, more than just the big long run where he reversed fields. Side note: They just signed Kareem Hunt too. I mean, I know that, that'll come up again for when the Steelers you know play the Browns a second time, or if your fantasy leagues or whatever. But Ford looks like a quality number two. None of them are going to be Nick Chubb, obviously. Um, Talked about how Miles Garrett didn't show up big in the stat line, but he still had a major impact on this game. I mean, rolling protections his way. He's a multiplier that made those around him better. Grant Delpit's a dude that I really wanted the Steelers to draft when he came out of school, and he's been a real good player. He was great in this game as well. And then the last one is another nice pickup by the Browns was Oroncro, the the edge guy they picked up from Houston. He rotates in with their guys, but he's a high-quality player. A lot of like what I said uh, about Golden. Some of the dudes that were worse than I thought was really the entire offensive line. Really bad. I mean, really bad in the run game. The tackles were especially poor. Moore and Chooks. I'm open to the idea of Broderick Jones getting in there sooner than later. But man, uh, there's something missing with this line. The The run blocking's been horrendous all year, and the, the tackles struggled in every facet, to be honest with you. Benton, I'm going to mention with the worst, just because I have such a high standard for him. I, I think he's going to be an extremely high player, or highly highly productive player, highly important player. Um, I don't say he played bad. He didn't. I just thought he might... Really shine, and maybe my expectations were just too high, but uh, he was a little worse than I thought the first go around. Louder Milk's bad. Louder Milk's had a. Uh, I don't know that you can keep putting him out on the field. He gets pushed around, doesn't play with good leverage. I'm really souring. Aha, souring on Louder Milk. Yeah, funny one. Um, and who also were worse than I thought was. The right tackle for the Browns, the big sucker, Dewan Jones. I know he had a brutal matchup, but he looked better watching him the first go round and watching him the second go round. I don't know that he's going to be their right tackle going forward. Uh, and their corners. Uh, the Browns' corners are a really good threesome, but I thought the Steelers' receivers, even without Deontay, got the better of them. And now Pickett didn't always deliver the football where, as needed. But the the Steelers receivers, I thought, won the matchup against the Browns corners, which I didn't see coming. Now, defensive snap count stuff. They were on the field for 87 plays. I mean, that's 20 too many. I mean, it's 25 too many. But anyway, the D-lineman, Adams, I thought he had a good game as well. He was out there for 52 of 87 Joby was out there for 51 of 87. Liao played 39 plays. Benton played 28. I'm kind of shocked that's not a higher number. Watts p- played 22 and Loudermilk just 14. So I think they're quickly realizing Loudermilk can't be really part of the equation. It wouldn't shock me if Watts gets more run than Loudermilk, especially when Hayward comes back. Um, so that's that situation. I mentioned Holcomb. He played 78 out of 87 snaps. That's no longer, to me, a true three-man rotation, although Roberts did get dinged up. He only played 27 snaps, so I guess that's to be determined. Alexander played 52 out of 87. And then the secondary, Neal played 61. Didn't see that coming. That's a lot of snaps for Neal. I think some of that's because of Minka's injury and stuff. Sullivan played 47, basically as a true slot. Porter only played 14. I think you got to start playing him more, but he's only going to be the left corner. He's not going to just directly replace Wallace on the right side. And then Riley played 10 snaps. So a couple other things I dug up, and then we'll talk about the opponent coming up here, is the Pro Football Focus put out their O-line ranks after two weeks. And they have the Steelers 26. Which I 100% get. And here's two nuggets they said on, or a couple nuggets they said about them. No offensive lineman has surrendered more pressure this season than left tackle Dan Moore Jr., who is responsible for 15 pressures through two weeks. Now, he gets Crosby this week. He had Bosa a lot, he had Garrett a lot. It doesn't get any harder than that, folks. But, I mean, he's last, last in the league, and pressure's allowed. This, this is awful. The Steelers averaged minus 1.1 yards before contact on runs against Cleveland. Lowest mark in the league. So, on average, every time they ran the football, the first contact, no matter who the back was, was 1.1 yards behind the line of scrimmage. It's just horrendous. I mean, you can say what you want about Warren versus Harris. They don't have any chance to succeed like that. Um, they say their best player is Isaac Sulamalu, and I agree with that. He's expected to be the best player on this offensive line, but his Pittsburgh career is off to a rough start. He's on pace to allow 34 pressures a season after giving up 21 with Philadelphia in 2022. Not great, man. Um, they did also put out their rookie ranks, and I know Benton didn't light it up in week two, but they have them, they have Benton as their sixth highest ranked rookie in the whole league, you know? So that's phenomenal. Um, love that. Uh, He's been mistake free. They said on 32 run snaps, no negative graded snaps against the run, whatever that means with their, uh, situation. And here's the last thing I have before we go talk about the Raiders on the other half of the pod, but this is nasty. Um, The numbers behind Kenny Pickett are worse than you might think. His completion rate of below expectation, what that means is the average NFL starting quarterback, when he's in a clean pocket, he's completing like 12% less than his passes below expectation. Just 63% of Pickett's throws from a clean pocket have been catchable. Clean pocket. I mean, not people bearing down on you. That's last in the league. The second least accurate from a clean pocket is Zach Wilson, who's horrendous, but he's 11% better than Pickett. I mean, to give you an idea, Zach Wilson's second worst. He's 74%. Pickett's at 63 Processing and throwing over the middle is also a massive problem right now. If you take away the 72-yard touchdown on a coverage bust, there definitely was a co- coverage bust, if you take that away, Pickett over the middle between the numbers would be six of 15 for 58 yards. No touchdowns and an interception. And his, even with the picket touchdown, his completion percentage is 19% lower than expectation over throws in the middle. I mean, he's just missing. For some reason, Pickett has lost his feel for throwing over the middle after a solid rookie season. He did rank ninth best in completions over expected on throws over the middle last year at 8.3%. They didn't do it a lot, but he wasn't bad at it. He wasn't great from 10 to 20 yards, but in terms of throwing between the numbers, he was good. Speaking of bad run blocking, the Steelers' run game has absolutely no chance right now. Through two games, Najee Harris ranks 49th out of 56 running backs in yards before contact. He's getting 0.3 yards past the line of scrimmage before his first contact. And Warren is 51st. He's getting 0.2 yards past the line of scrimmage before first contact. 49th and 51 in terms of the 56 running backs that they've graded or that qualify of when they're getting contacted. It's not the back's fault. And then the Steelers are dead last by a mile in ESPN's run block win rate metrics. This is a complete coaching failure and is compounding Kenny Pickett's shortcomings. Um, I don't know if it's a complete coaching failure. I mean, it's a failure by all, but they have the worst run block win rate in the entire league by far. All right, quick break. And then I'm just going to give you a quick matchup overview of the Raiders. All right, so as you remember, these teams met last year. Weather was bad. It was the Franco night, but the Steelers generated 5.3 yards per play. Vegas only was 3.9 in that game. Steelers possessed the football for 32-39 and won the turnover battle 3-1. to This is a Raiders home opener. Since moving to Vegas, they're 11-14 and 14 in that building. Not great. Since the start of the 2022 season... Las Vegas has had 14 games decided by one score, but that's eight points or less. That's the most in the league during that time. And the Raiders are five and nine in one score games. So they've played a lot of close games since the beginning of last year. Steelers offense is producing 4.3 yards per play. Better only than Carolina and Cincinnati. Yuck. The Raiders offense is a whole yard better. They're at 5.3 yards per play. Only eight offenses are better, but both defenses allow 5.4 yards per snap. Only eight are worse. Last week, the Bills produced 29 first downs compared to just 13 by Las Vegas. Buffalo ran 74 plays. The Raiders ran just 39. Imagine that, 74 to 39 play discrepancy. The Bills offense produced 450 total yards compared to 240 from Vegas. Against the Raiders, Buffalo possessed the football for over 40 minutes. Denver won the time of possession in week, w- week one as well. They held the ball for thirty-two oh eight. So, they're getting destroyed in time of possession. The Raiders were minus three in turnover differential in week two. They are now minus four for the season. Only the Vikings are worse. Pittsburgh does sit at plus one in turnover differential. But... The Steelers have caused seven fumbles on defense. I mean, that's a huge number. In two games, they have got the ball out seven times. Uh, Last thing here, and I told you this before, I think. This is remarkable to me. Pittsburgh scored 26 points in Week 2, despite never snapping the ball on offense inside the Raiders' 30-yard line. They never snapped the ball in the red zone. They never snapped the ball... 10 yards outside the red zone from the 30 and never snapped the football from there alright so there you have it crazy stuff over and out